God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So with uh, heavy hearts, we have some sad news to bring to our audience today. Um, One of our first syndicated stations uh, is 1180 WFYL. And the owners over there at... Uh, 1180 WFYL are the Locke, the Locke family. And Susan and Al Locke uh, run the show over there. And um, on April 22nd, uh, Al Locke passed away from lung disease. And um, I just want to read this uh, email that was sent to me this morning. It was sent to a group, really. But um, we're one of the uh, shows that's on their network and uh, I want to tell a little story about how we came to meet them uh, after I make this announcement. But uh, I'm going to be asking you all to get a pen and a piece of paper and uh, send, a, uh, send your condolences. And also where you can send in lieu of flowers, uh, the church where the memorial service is going to be. It says in lieu of flowers, memorial contributions may be made to the Washington Memorial Chapel. It's in Montgomery County there outside of PA. It's in Valley of, Forge of, area. It's Valley Forge. Uh, for their stained glass window restoration project. So that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about small donations that you can make to make a difference in the name of a really great radio uh Pioneer, someone who gave us a chance, and people that have been really, really kind to the Scott Adams Show. And so uh, where the memorial service is going to be is uh, at Washington Memorial Chapel, and I'm going to give you their address. So um, it says here, as many of you already know, it is with great sorrow that I share with you that my beloved Al passed away and went home to be with the Lord Thursday. 
April 22nd due to lung disease. I ask for your prayers for me and our family. The funeral will be held on Thursday, April 29th, 2021 at Washington Memorial Chapel, 2000 Valley Forge Park Road. Again, that's Washington Memorial Chapel, 2000 Valley Forge Park Road, King of Prussia, King of Prussia, PA, 19406. The family and friends will be received in the chapel from 12 p.m. until the service begins at 1 p.m. A graveside service will follow in the Washington Memorial Cemetery. And then guests are invited to attend a reception back at the church. In lieu of flowers, memorial contributions may be made to the Washington Memorial Chapel for their stained glass window restoration project. If you've missed any of that, um, and that's from Susan Locke, if you missed any of that, you can email scott at scottadamshow.com, which is easy to remember, and I'll be sure to forward you the correct information. And just contact the show, scott at scottadamshow.com. So we met them in uh, Northeast Regional... What conference. Was it? it was the Northeast mm-hmm. Regional Conference. It was a in Philadelphia. Like, in Philadelphia. It was a you know a, a GOP in event. 2015. This was before Donald Trump. This was before Donald Trump, and they had a booth, and we we met them there. And this was also before we became the owners of Red State. So yeah. it was. So the timing was very interesting. We met them. We thought they were lovely people, and uh, and then you know it t- you know it took a little bit of time, but then we got on we got on the show. I guess we started show um, a show with them in the fall of 2015. And, uh, you know, they took a big risk because when Laura Ingram, who is the flagship radio program in Philadelphia, uh, Laura Ingram was the flagship program in Philly, and uh, she only was on one station in Philly. Right. And she ran from 9 to noon, and she uh, uh, retired. From radio. From radio. Just to focus on her television show. To focus on Fox News. And uh, the Locks, the Locke family, Al and Susan uh, Locke, uh, gave us a shot. They gave us a chance. They gave us that spot. That was an amazing. They could have chosen anybody. In fact, it was actually an uphill battle for us because we weren't connected with Westwood One or all these different stations where they had satellite feeds and all kinds of sophisticated things, time clocks and all kinds of stuff. And they took us in. And they they took a chance. And that's the thing, is when they would say they would be somewhere, they would be there. They would go to these different events, uh, whether it's in Philly or in Harrisburg or elsewhere, and they would show up at these events and they would make a difference. There were those kinds of people that together, you know, they they would be a force for good. And not only, um, you know, it it wasn't uncommon for us to walk into the station and for them to have a prayer circle in the radio room itself. And they were and they would do nice things like drop us off at the train station on the way back. That's one of my we that's my last memory of Allison driving us to the train he station. He drove us to the train station, had really kind words for us and enc- uh, words of encouragement. Um, so we have nothing but fondness in our hearts, great memories of Al Locke and Susan Locke. And um, you know, we just uh Send our heartfelt condolences to the Locke family. Absolutely. 
at the end of the show today, I'm going to reread that. Uh, um, I'm going to reread the uh, memorial service, uh, the the address where you can send a, a donation for basically for um, the stained glass windows restoration project that's mm-hmm. going on at their church. Sounds like a worthy project. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So we're going to move on. That's a that's a tough subject to, to, to cover for me. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on. I want to set the stage, and I want to play this um, because a couple of the topics we're going to be talking about in the uh, first part of our show have to do with um, <laughs> the absolute nonsense from Joe Biden wearing a mask during a Zoom conference meeting that he's hosting for world leaders. The only world leader in the world that's sitting there like a doofus wearing a mask well, people have is to Joe rem- Biden. People have to remember that Zoom is having a conference over your computer. You're, 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 you can't get COVID from a microphone. Get, you're not getting a COVID from a microphone, <laughs> as you put it. And it just looks ridiculous because you have, you have to remember all these comments that Joe Biden is making. And th- these are going down in history. And we have visuals of Joe Biden wearing a mask well, in, in unnecessary to, scenarios. It goes back to him, you know, um, over Easter. Where he's standing above, you know, on the second floor of the White House. With the Easter Bunny. With the Easter Bunny. And he's talking to an empty yard. And thanks, everybody. for sh- Thank you all for showing up. And then, and then you see there's nobody in the they yard. They pan out and there's nobody there. <laughs> it's like you're just saying the words for a photo op. That's all Joe Biden's ever been yeah. is a photo op. Yeah. And um, so let's take a listen to uh, Ram Paul. Because this cues up two things. This cues up. Not only the ridiculousness of Joe Biden wearing the mask, but it also gets to the point of Dr. Fauci. Now, everyone knows I've been sick lately, and I've been kind of bedridden a little bit. And it's been a painful process, believe it or not. I don't know what's going on. But in any case, um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think people know I have my gallbladder removed. And it's just been painful. I've had some oddities. It's normally yeah. it goes smoother than this. But for me, it's just been a little bit tougher. Um, but I'm getting better every day, and uh, I really do appreciate the well wishes. But um, I got out yesterday and yeah. went for a nice long mile and a half walk yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, it was very good And for it you. was great. And um, But what I could not get over was that it was like more people were wearing masks. Every single person we ran, it, ran a past, walked past, we're wearing masks. There are couples and people, individuals walking their dogs or whatever, and they were all wearing masks. I just couldn't conceive. I didn't make any sense to me. Here we are with vaccines and everything, but we live in Arlington, and there's nothing but liberals here. Well, it's worse than Alexandria, actually. You walk around Alexandria, everybody's in masks. Yeah. Again, it's it's where the swamp lives in Alexandria. Yeah. Most of Washington D.C. elite live in Alexandria and Arlington, Virginia. That's where everybody that has high-paying jobs in D.C. Oh, well, there are some. There's some that are in the district, and some but, live in Dupont Circle. Right, yeah. But you know, the idea is is that, and it's everywhere you turn. Now that you don't need to be wearing a mask walking down, walking your dog by yourself. When you're six feet apart from whoever, yeah, like there are people that are jogging with masks. It, That's unhealthy, actually. But, yeah, but I'm telling you, it was just you know like it was a snapshot. 
I was expecting nobody to be wearing masks. I hadn't been out for about a week, and I was just expecting something else. Yeah. And I couldn't get over. I'm like, look, they're wearing a mask. They're wearing a mask. They're wearing a mask. Everybody's wearing a mask. But but if you contrast that, I've been in some situations lately where I've seen people crowding, like in uh, food courts, and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought we were all supposed to be social distancing. Yeah, but then the so other, it all depends on people's motivation. The, the other, I bit the bullet this weekend and bought the UFC 261, and they in Florida opened up in a big way yeah. in Jacksonville. Yeah. And it was an amazing event, man. Some things I don't even want to... I want to erase from my memory, like yeah. this one guy broke uh, his yeah, leg. Ah, yeah, yeah, erase it yeah. and don't tell anybody yeah. else. <laughs> it was terrible, um, but it was an amazing event. And uh, what I loved about it is fifteen thousand people, yeah, and most were not wearing masks, <laughs> you know. And the thing is, is that you could wear a mask if you want, and if you don't wear a mask, that's fine too. I said to Leonora, I said, you know what my can response was? We were walking on the street. And she said, there's this one person at the gym. That, Who makes faces at me. And, and says uh, <laughs> uh, something like, well, people should wear their masks. No, he kind of mutters it sort of loudly. And, and the thing is, you are supposed to wear a mask when you go into the gym, when you go into the locker room, when you go by the pool. There's a whole pl- bunch of places. But while you are actually working out, you do not need a mask. Right. But there's still so, some people that wear it. <laughs> I said to Leonora, I said, do you know what my can response is for... You know, I said I've yet to use it. No one's ever confronted me, or never, no one's ever given me a, uh, the business, right? But I said, you know what my can response is for this, um, and I would just I, I like I play dumb, right? And I would say, I would say, if someone said, "Where's your mask?" I would my can response, and I think I'm I'm giving this to you uh, as a salvo that you could use, and my response would be, "Do masks even work?" Right, well, that's the setup, right? And they were like, of course, mask works. Let's trust the science, right? And I'd be like, then you're fine. Then you're fine. Then leave me alone. Just get the, get the <laughs> hell out of my face and, and, and go about your business. You're, yeah. you're, you're fine. Your See, mask Scott, works. Scott, you don't get out enough because I've been chewed out. Like, people will stop me on the street and say, you need to pull your mask over your nose more. Like, total strangers. Yeah, so I my mean, response <laughs> to them was, do masks even work? And of course, their response is going to be overwhelmingly, yes, it works. Yeah. And then, you know, you're going to be like, then you're fine. Stop yeah. worrying about what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. All right. Worry about what you do. Don't right. worry about what I do. Right. Your mask works. Then God bless you. Keep on walking and get out of my face. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I would do. All right. So you now know? what are you transitioning to? I'm transitioning, <laughs> <laughs> I'm transitioning to um, uh, Ram Paul's interview with uh, Maria Bartiroma. And she's talking about... Um, uh, Joe Biden wearing a mask and how stupid our country looks in front of that. And then Rand Paul is talking about Dr. Fauci and how he invested in these studies that were illegal in our country. Yeah. Um, but let's take a listen. Take on what we're seeing in terms of the COVID response at this point. You know, this past week, President Biden had a climate summit. I thought it was really ironic that Xi Jinping was one of the featured speakers since China is, of course, the world's biggest polluter. But look at this shot that we have of the virtual summit. This was a virtual summit led by the White House. The the only one wearing a mask is Joe Biden. You've got leaders from across the world sitting there virtually, and he's got a mask on. What do you make of this? You know, I guess this means that Dr. Fauci has now determined that you can get COVID, you can catch it through your webcam. That's the only thing I can conclude. But 
um, really it's, it's silly and this type of theater really is distracting to people who need to go out and get the vaccine. We have a lot of people, particularly those over age 40 and those who are overweight, who all need to get the vaccine and that all of the vaccines, the risks of the vaccines are less than the risk of the disease, particularly if you're over 40 and overweight. But when Biden goes on, on, on the computer screen to a Zoom call and wears a mask, he's making a mockery of the science. And this is dissuading people who are skeptical anyway. So if you want to convince people who are skeptical that the vaccine works, show them that we have protection after we've been vaccinated. Show them after we've had the disease naturally that we have protection and have to don't be excoriating people to keep wearing masks after they already have immunity. Let people live again. But by doing this sort of fake science and wearing a mask while you're on a Zoom call, it shows great ignorance of science, but it also tells the people that you're really being dishonest with them and they tend not to believe the other things that you will tell them. Yeah. By the way, in that shot, I think it's really also interesting to point out that President Biden is the only leader without a flag behind him. has their flag. We don't have the American flag behind Joe Biden, interestingly. Real quick before you go, Senator Josh. You know what? Uh, I got to tell you, that, that I did not pick up on. But that is interesting. Yeah. He didn't have a flag behind, behind his uh, uh, his little uh, square box. What's going on Every with, the, with his handlers? Why didn't they put the flag in? No, or was they, that delivered? They, they hate America. I know. I've been reading story after story about how our leaders are basically anti-American leaders. Yeah. As is the Black Lives Matter group that our corporations tend to fall in love with and flip out over. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these Marxist socialists hate America. And I just can't stand the fact that we have leaders that are basically do not have America's interest first. They have America's interest last. That's why they feared Trump so much. Trump put America first. So did so does uh, our organization MAGAPAC.org and and uh, BugleCall.org. Uh, we are all about America first policies that make America great again. Right. That's our thing. We're going to continue with this um, in exchange between Rand Paul and Maria Bartiromo. Charlie and Mike Braun introducing a bill that would force the administration to declassify the intelligence uh, related to the origin of, of COVID. I mean, COVID-19 has killed millions across the world, more than half a million here in the United States. And every opportunity that President Biden has had in terms of speaking with Xi Jinping, the subject never comes up. Uh can you explain this, why he has a private phone call with Xi Jinping and he never asks him why the Chinese Communist Party hid this uh, to the world, uh, cornered us in terms of the PPE and, of course, allowed this virus to escape its borders? Not a word from anybody on the origins of COVID. I thought this was the priority. There's a huge ethical question about the origins of the virus. The ethical question is, should we be doing gain of function? Should we be upgrading animal viruses in the lab to make them more susceptible to humans? I can't tell you for certain that this escaped the lab. I think it's a reasonable question to ask. But what you have to ask Dr. Fauci is, why did he, in overseeing these labs, allow gain of function? 
Why is he allowing labs to get government money to upgrade animal viruses so they can infect humans? We got worried about this two or three years ago. We closed down about half of them, but then Dr. Fauci and his committees opened them back up. We need to ask him, why are we doing this in China, but are we doing this in the U.S.? Are we giving viruses the ability to, to invade the human species and then potentially letting them out of the lab? I know we don't want them out, so it might be inadvertent in China or here, but I think we should be discussing the danger of increasing the potency of a virus and allowing it to escape animals and humans because we doctored the virus. Maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I'd love to get your medical expertise. And I also am very interested in your bill to ensure that the federal government stops spying on regular Americans. That's a subject for another time. Senator, it's good to see you this morning. Thanks very much, sir. Thank you. Yeah, that was a pretty powerful interview. Yeah, There's so much to that. And that's why I call China um, the world's leading terrorist organization right now, because they are engaged in the bioweapon of taking bat stew flu and puncturing a bunch of holes in, uh, in, in certain kinds of viruses that make them uh, morph. They, they, it helps them morph into something else. Yeah. Um, because... From what I understand, and I've heard several different reports, um, so I mean, it, I, don't, I don't claim that this is the one official report, but I've heard several different things, uh, one of which is that the uh, coronavirus uh, had evidence of you know, manipulation to where it could have originated as an animal-to-animal spreader that was then modified so that it would actually um, spread to humans. That's exactly what they're talking about right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And there's been funding in that. So you not only finance something that you should never be doing, why yeah. in the world will we ever be trying to get a animal virus that could then spread and connect with humans? Why would we ever want to do that? That's got to be a bioweapon. Of course it's a bioweapon. And so then that's a bioweapon that then gets released from a lab. Let's just call it the Wuhan virus lab. Yeah. Um, a military-grade uh, facility with their connections with Harvard and a bunch of other anti-American pseudoscientists that uh, live within the ivory towers of tenured professorship and, uh, uh, and the ivory towers of people that live like Dr. Fauci, some of the highest-paid employees in the federal government and have been there for 50 years Mm -hmm. that own more patents than anybody you might know, you know, on these viruses and on the resolution to the viruses and on the um, vaccines and on the um, different responses to these things. It's self-serving. You know, I would love to see Dr. Fauci's tax records. You know, I would like to see that. Um, But that's, uh, you know, so we're dealing with climate change. Now, all of a sudden, climate change is an emergency. And like I said, I've been saying this for weeks, months. I can't even remember anymore. But what I have been saying is that where they failed and came up lightweight with climate change, they they got it in spades with COVID. And that's the control of people. The control of people. The herd of people. These globalists love controlling people. And the way they were going about controlling people was with this spread of fear related to climate change. 
Now we can go all the way back to Al Gore talking about seven years and the ice caps are going to be gone. His famous the waters book and will be movie and an, in- an inconvenient truth. Yeah, and all of the different um, you know uh, seaside resorts are going to be gone. So forget about it. If you want to go to Cannes or Nice or, or if you want to go to um, Malibu, all of that's gone in seven years. That was as of what, 2002? I saw him speak, I think it was in Philly. I want to say it was maybe 2005. And didn't he win six. an Oscar or something? You I think know, he for did. For Inconvenient Truth I think, or he, something I think like the that? film won an Oscar. Yeah, or he got an Oscar or something like that. He was like this, you know, scientist all of a sudden. Trust the science. 97% of the scientists can't be wrong. But then I played that Ted Cruz in exchange with the Sierra Club uh, president. And they were like, I don't believe my lying eyes. I believe what 97% of the scientists would tell me. The 2006 film by Al Gore did win an Oscar. And I think I saw him. I think the year was 2006. Okay, all right. But, you know, the idea is this, is that there was this 20-year pause that Ted Cruz was asking the Sierra Club president about in an exchange that I played on this show multiple times. And it was interesting because, you know, the guy was basically like, I trust 97% of the scientists. And he's like, but look at the actual evidence. Look at the actual thermostat. Look at the actual data, the data that came in. So the forecast was wrong. The forecast that 97% of the scientists was talking about was not the same as what we now know was the case. And he's like, I don't care about what the case was. I care about what the scientists Mm -hmm. tell me. It's like, so if you look out your window and it's snowing and the scientists are telling you that there's no snow, there hasn't been snow for 20 years, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe, you know, God's hand in snow falling on earth? Or are you going to believe 97% of your scientists because they fulfill political agenda? Yeah, well, that's it. It's a and, and he agenda. went with 97% of the scientists. And this was all to drum up fear. And he was beside himself. He kept on you know, uh, checking with his attorneys and things like that. And you wonder, why is it? It's something so simple as you know, basically having a conversation about what's good for all people. And you got attorneys left and right trying to figure out how to put the square peg in the round hole. And what it was was all about globalists wanting to control populations, wanting to control hot zones and people in Africa that need to come here and actually drive our our Lyft drivers and become our Uber drivers and become our lab specialists and become our nurses and become our janitors and become our, you know, basically low-skilled labor workers. And in a lot of cases, because they don't come with the baggage of street thug life or crime, they're just in Africa without an opportunity. But they actually don't. They're not drug dependent. They're not criminals. And they come over and they're well, they receive well education that puts them into the nursing industry. I can't tell you when I was in the hospital for four or five days last week. um, Was it last week? It was last week. The weeks are blending. It was Thursday yeah. through Sunday. Yeah. So that's what? Four days. Four days. So I was in the hospital. One African after the the other. I mean, I mean a person from Africa, from like Ghana or from, you know, from uh, where whatever country over there. But um, there were so many different Africans working in this hospital. 
And there's a lot of people working in the hospital. A lot of empty beds, too. A lot of empty beds. And that's why they, you know, basically lied about my condition and said that I needed oxygen when I didn't. They lied and said I was on a one or two percentage uh, point oxygen lift when, in fact, I was on zero. And a nurse came over and said, another nurse that wasn't in on the play said, you're set at zero. So I don't. I said, so what am I wearing this oxygen up my nose for? I don't get it. Why, why do I have this in my nose? She's like, I don't know. But this is zero. This is turned off. So you've been wearing a wire around your face for 24 hours. Unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. And not to mention the fact that when I would see the senior doctors, I would actually have to tell them, yeah, I'm on 1% right now or 2%. And I'm still only getting like a 94 to 95, 96. Um, so if they take that off, I might slip to like uh, 89, 90, 91. So they were treating me as if I had oxygen deficiency. And I told my doctors this, and guess what they did? They scheduled a echocardiogram to do an ultrasound of my heart. You know how much that probably costs? A lot. Thousands. You'll see. Right. And so they they milked me out of my money or, you know, say my insurance company's money. But they're doing this stuff on a routine basis. Now, I'm Mr. Skeptical. Everybody knows I'm a skeptic, right? But what about those people that aren't skeptical? They just trust the science. Those are people that are going to go along to get along and they're rigging the system. And I'm telling you, this goes back down to a nurse that's playing this game with my health. And I have a good mind to sue them, to put a stop to this. I don't want to, I've never sued anybody. But I feel like this is sort of like a systematic fraud that's going on that needs to be, uh, uh, needs a spotlight on it. And I could care less. I'll donate the money I would ever get. I, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the fact that this is wrong. And I believe our medical fields and our medicine is fraudulent. I think it's, uh, you know, and when you get the government involved with Obamacare and you get the lobbyists impacted by pharmaceutical companies and all the things that Trump was trying to do with tra- price transparency, and first country, uh, favorite country status, meaning that we should be treated as the favorite country mm-hmm. to get the lowest prices on pharmacy. When I can go to get a drug over at the pharmacy and it says it's $209, but if I use GoodRx, which I recommend everybody go out and get this free app, especially if you're not insured, go out and get this free app. It's called GoodRx. You can go to the pharmacy and there's, there could be a pill that says it's $209. And in fact, this one pill is a muscle relaxer, whatever it was that they um, signed me up for. Now, I didn't use this GoodRx because I'm insured and I got it for free. But I had no copay or deductible. But, the, um, but you can go with this. And if it says it's $209, you could, the price drop with GoodRx app is $12.90. It went from $209 to $12.90. It's 
Think about that, folks. Well, it's a huge difference. That's and again, a huge difference. And because you've got the middlemen in there that are making that are making the money, and you know the way. And all the, I had was the app. Well, yeah, yeah. And I the, didn't I need to. I didn't need to sign up for anything. Yeah. And they had to honor that price. They had to honor the price because you showed it to them. You know, match that price. <laughs> the analogy I make with this is when you have elective surgery, like for example, cosmetic surgery. If there's something you need to have done, um, or something like an Invisalign or whatever, some of those types of things, you have a little time. You can price them out. Whereas when you're in an emergency room system situation, you're a, you're a captive there. You know, somebody's telling you you need your gallbladder. You're on a gurney. You're, on a gurney. <laughs> you're like somebody says your gallbladder needs to be removed, and you. It's not like well, you know, let me go to the hospital down the road and see if they can give me a better deal. You're not in a position to negotiate. I don't like even that. know the going rate of such a thing. Well, exactly, and and the idea that and this is something President Trump talked about is having a price sheet similar to how you have a price sheet for so many other things that just gives you a baseline of what's something might cost and what's a reasonable amount to pay for it or reasonable amount for your insurance to pay for it and that and that helps people be more educated consumers and and frankly there is nothing more important than your health there is nothing more important and the health your health and the health of the people that you love and those are the things that we need to advocate for we need to be better educated we need to be better informed about what our options are and just because somebody comes by in a white coat and says that you need this you, 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 this is not the time to be silent. This is the time to ask questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we just finished a se- section of the show. It says, Senator Rand Paul, Dr. Fauci must answer questions on why he continued to fund dangerous human virus studies after they were banned in the U.S. Why? And why did he continue to finance them in China? Why? Why, why? Did, he, why did he do it? Why? Because now one got out of the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. And infected and killed all these people in the world and there's only one person that i think benefited from that or one entity or one organization the same people that embraced climate change were the same people that benefited yeah from the, because if that if, if what they wanted to do was control populations they were able to do it and ask yourself this one other question about climate why in the world is it still the case then that if all of these resort towns are going to be underwater, like Gal Gore said yeah. in 2004 yeah. and five, why do they keep on building properties on oceanfront property? Why do the insurance underwriters keep on signing off and saying it's a good investment? Think about it. Why do they? An underwriter right, looks at this and says, you know, this is a $5 million property, beautiful oceanfront view, or there's a hotel here that's a $2 billion hotel, right? And yeah. you're like putting it up as if you have a future. And the underwriter says you do have a future. You'll get your return on investment in 20 years. Yeah. And so therefore, they're like saying, okay, we're going to get a return on investment. Now, if the floods from uh, global warming were to exist, you would see a sea change that would put that property out of business real soon like 10 years ago it was supposed to be if you listen to um you know casio cortez and her green new deal you know why in the world is any underwriter writing uh writing grants uh to to offer up loans to builders to build this stuff obviously somebody is lying to somebody and you know who i trust the most the people that put their money where their mouth is, the people that pony up $2 billion, 
and the underwriters that actually are on the hook for it. That's who I believe. I don't believe people like Dr. Fauci. Or, Put your money where your mouth is, they yeah, say. Yeah, so, you know, that's the thing. You've you got to always understand that what your, your, your eyes are not lying to you. When you see a new property go up, that property costs a billion dollars if it's a big, a big old hotel, right? And they, that didn't just go up without thought, all right? That was years yeah. in the making, and that was a lot of investment. So that means that that property, that land is going to be there for at least 20 years. Yeah. Because they would have never signed off on that. So just believe in that. That's the science you need to believe in. The almighty dollar. Right? Very true. So you got to believe in that. Put your, put your science into the hands of the people that are actually uh, taking the risk. Well, that's that's so, very true. That's yeah. a good way to work. And, Money uh, talks, BS walks. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, um, that's the first part. The second part is that's the climate change part. But then there's the COVID part. And there's this whole thing about uh, migrating culture. And we talked about the Africans that are working in the hospitals and, and they're working uh, as drivers for Lyft. And the gig economy is, is ripe with um, a lot of people from Africa and a lot of people from uh, El Salvador and from Honduras and Colombia and wherever else. And you wonder why it is that they're doing this because in large part, they want this cheap uh, labor, but they also want to leave, uh, they want to expose the properties. So like, for example, when you are f- traveling the world, are you ever going to be able to see Africa the way it used to be seen? <clears throat> I doubt it. I doubt that you'll ever see Africa the way you once used to see it. Because all the people that were there are gone. Just like if you go into Syria now, how many real Syrians are still left there? They started these conflicts and chased these people out of their homes. And where did they go? They got in caravans and they marched themselves to Europe. And Europeans made it all too easy for them. They took the caravans and they took them all in. And they took them all in as refugees, put them up in properties, and turned them into low-wage slave labor workers. So these same globalists that once used to have to uh, depend on China for the slave labor market had basically their own convenient low-wage market right there in Europe. The jobs that none of the Europeans wanted to do were gobbled up by these refugees who are now making more money than they ever made in, in a week in Syria or elsewhere. And not only that, but most of them are fighting age males. So now who's left to actually go in and get these precious metals that were used for so many different things, so, much, so many different advancements in high-tech technology, spacecraft technology, all these different... Um, things that uh, are high-end um, ma- machinery that required these special metals. And now, now these lands, you know, the China had a lot of that land, but so, did, so there was a lot of Middle East land that also had it. And so, again, maybe we don't depend on China as much 
And maybe that's the upside of this vision. But the way they're going about doing it is so sinister and so not forthright. It's so cruel that nobody's given a choice. It's sort of like that whole thing about um, government domain, eminent domain, where they want to build a highway and they're just going to basically kick you out of your Your house. Yeah. And that's not right. No, of course not. It's sort of like eminent domain, though. And you could even take that argument and play it in. But that eminent domain concept, I think, applies in these areas where they're chasing people out of their homes, stealing that land, mining it for the precious metals, and meanwhile turning those people that were living in you know, Aleppo or wherever they were, in, in these places in in uh, Middle East, and now they're in Europe having to learn a new language and develop a new life for themselves as low-wage workers, unskilled labor. And in a lot of cases, there's a great opportunity for this. You could say it's a win-win. But again, it's how you go about it. Do these people even have a choice? A lot of them, yes. A lot of the people in Africa, yes. But there's a whole bunch of UN programs. And I remember this because I would ask the Lyft driver, the Uber driver, and I would say, how, how did you get here? And they would say, well, it was a UN program. And didn't you remember we spoke to somebody who said that they put them up in free housing for a certain period of time? That's right. And they gave them a stipend. They flew them someplace. They uh, put them up. You know, I, we ask this question all the time because I'm curious. I'm trying to find answers to the questions I have about it. And almost every time I get into a lift, I might ask a certain question like that. And uh, it just depends on who I'm dealing with, too. But um, for the most part, that's that. Now, I want to I switch gears. So the, the, um, you know, the climate change was to control populations. COVID also was to control populations. But COVID was better because they also got the rig elections through COVID. They got to kill off a whole bunch of elderly, like in Italy. Yeah. That half their elderly population was wiped out. Do you think Italy's not happy about that? Think again. Because they have socialized medicine, right? Right. So who's the biggest consumer of medicine? Elderly. Right. So now that they're gone... That's a big savings for the government, isn't it? Wow. That's like a death panel on steroids, isn't it? So everybody sort of wins except for the victims of this bioterror. Now, you know, you might be someone that looks at me and says, what a conspiracy nut. I'm not even trying to say this is a conspiracy. I'm saying let's open our eyes and think out loud for a second. Is it possible? Is it plausible? Is it what what I'm saying plausible? Is what I am saying possible? That's all I'm saying. I'm not telling you the way it is. I'm telling you the way I think it could be playing out. And uh, you just, you know, for people that want to stymie my speech and, and, and put a muzzle over my face, like all the different big tech censorship that's been going on, I mean, I'm still banned on Facebook until about, what, May 5th? My 30 days will be up simply because I used Dr. Yan's report where she wrote a report that said that COVID was a bioweapon from China. 
And she did a study as a doctor that proved her case. And I got banned for that. And I didn't even write an excerpt on it. I just reported the headline. The same headline that was used in the report was the headline that was there. I didn't embellish. I didn't add to it. I just simply published an article about a doctor's research findings. And that was too much for Facebook to handle. Where is the problem there? That a doctor can't do a study that runs counter to popular belief. Because Facebook and Twitter are not really what they profess to be, as we keep saying. They're not really open forums for exchanges where they're the only policeman in there is if somebody's doing something that could be physically dangerous or psychologically dangerous or something else. What they are is they are censoring people's voices that don't agree with their ideology. And speaking about censorship, we have the Arizona... Uh, audit, azaudit.org, right? Audit. <laughs> I will tell you that I gave that address out over the Friday, uh, I think Friday. And I will tell you that um, I went over there over the weekend and it didn't seem like there was a lot of activity. Wait, 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 you didn't go, you went over to Arizona over the weekend? azaudit.org. A- oh, a- the, the website. <laughs> yeah, live feeds. <laughs> I misunderstood. Actually, I sometimes go on a mini vacation during the middle of the day and I'll pull up <laughs> one of these live feeds like in... Yeah. In Venice or um, in Amsterdam or you like uh, you like Thailand too <laughs> yeah in Thailand and they have these um, live feeds and you can literally like just put it up in the background and there you are your vision to you know whatever's going on in those next of the, next of the woods I don't remember what movie it was but there was a, a somebody who drove a car who had a postcard in his car yeah he'd you're say, talking I about got collateral collateral right with uh, uh, Tom Cruise Tom Cruise and um, Cameron, Jamie Lee Fox J- J- Jamie and, Fox and Pinkett Smith right yeah and so in it he said I go on a vacation every day you know I've got the, this picture you're, you've taken it to a new level yeah, well, they have the live feeds, and it's one of the things I like about YouTube there. But uh, what I don't like about YouTube is their censorship. And so anyway, you take the good with the bad in this world. And um, part of the censorship here is Arizona Republicans strike back, file motion of their own against state Democrats. Arizona GOP Chairwoman Kelly Ward delivers update on Maricopa County Forensic Audit. Now, I want to take a – I think there's a clip here that I want to play. All right, here we go. Hello, Arizona. It is time for the daily update from the Republican Party of Arizona. I am your chairwoman, Dr. Kelly Ward. Well, there have been fireworks galore surrounding the Maricopa County forensic audit of the 2020 elections. In a last-ditch and last-minute effort to derail the court-approved right of the Arizona State Senate to conduct a hand recount and audit of the ballots from last November's election in Maricopa County, The Democrats made their move yesterday. They sought a temporary restraining order, TRO, from the Maricopa County Superior Court to immediately stop the audit in its tracks, just as it had gotten started. Even though they've known for weeks who was doing the work and how the process would work, it was a stunt worthy of P.T. Barnum. The Democrats marched in and they told the judge that they were concerned with, guess what? election integrity, and the security of the ballots. Now that's a switch. At the hearing, with the Democrats going so far as to allege that hate groups, hate groups, were being recruited for the audit, the judge made it very clear in his own words. The audit will continue. But 
He also allowed for a pause in the audit to review the procedures if, if the Democrats would post a $1 million bond to cover any expenses as a result of the delay. <laughs> and what did the Democrats do when it came time to put their money on the line? You guessed it, they balked. They refused to post the bond. And so the audit continues. Now, later in the day yesterday, the Arizona Supreme Court weighed in and also kept the audit going. Next week, the Arizona Supreme Court will rule on a petition brought by the Arizona Senate that the courts do not have the authority to infringe on the Senate's ability to manage the audit as it sees fit, and that any civil action by the Democrats to stop the audit through continued court action crosses the line of separation of powers afforded by the United States Constitution. But let's not be fooled into thinking that the Democrats will give up. <laughs> They've already launched their nationwide campaign to discredit this audit. They hope that when the audit is concluded and the results are what many of us expect, they can claim that the audit was illegitimate and it was somehow tainted. They call it a Republican audit or an attempt to undermine the credibility of our elections or other other garbage just like that. This was never about transparency or election integrity for the Democrats, for the left. We all know that. It's about controlling the narrative and grabbing and now keeping power at all costs. That's how they won in 2020. So, there you have it. The Arizona Forensic Audit is, it is continuing. It's a fight and we need your help to keep it going. Share our message, share our message that we are not going to be intimidated by the Democrats, by the left, by the media, by Antifa, by BLM. Continue watching for our future updates. And we need your financial help to keep our work, to keep Americans informed as to our progress and to complete this audit. So there you go. There and you uh, a lot it. of progress is going on right there. And, uh, you know, I'm really uh, proud of what Arizona's done. Um, a lot of people are saying it's time for Georgia to, to step up. Breaking. Arizona judge recuses himself from election audit case to be settled in the morning after Democrats shop around and hire a new attorney who previously interned for the judge. So there's a lot of shenanigans going on. Um, you know, there was the Oscars. I can't wait to watch the uh, see the review. On yeah, that, uh, the, you know uh, what I do want the to Nielsen rating on that. Yeah, well, I'd be curious to see the review on that, too. But, you know, it was. Um, Frances McDormand, who we like, third time she won the best uh, women's, uh, the best uh, f female role, uh, the the best actress role, third time. Um, which the only other person who did something like that was Catherine Hepburn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. But, even, the, but I absolutely don't care. No, no. But the scandal with the uh, with the Oscars that you, that's on Gateway Pundit is that you know the hypocrisy is that they were clearing up the areas where the homeless people. Yes, were in. Los Angeles hypocrites remove homeless camp and erect fence to protect the stars at Oscars. Well, that's what I'm saying. So they they're all about and, oh, they're all about open borders, but it's yeah. not in my neighborhood. That's yeah, the thinking. It's unbelievable. All right. Auto team in Arizona on Thursday night describes process involving involved in audit. Liberal media screams and demands to know who is paying for it. Right. 
And then it's time for Georgians to stand up, demand a full forensic audit of 2020 results. Dr. Peter Navarro explains. Um, we don't have time to play his audio. Um, also, uh, uh, who's the vice president? Kamala Harris. Um, who's the vice president? I, I'm not going to play political games, she says. Kamala Harris gets testy with reporter asking why she's not going to the border. Um, but she went all over the country yeah. otherwise. She made yeah. loads of pit stops. No surprise. 82% of Americans believe the nation is divided. Uh, that's another headline. We're making progress, Kamala Harris. Sounds like an unprepared high school student when asked about the border crisis that they themselves created. Exact opposites. Democrats illegally block Republican observers from entering vote counting areas. Republicans allowed the whole world to view Maricopa County's audit. Think about it. They want to block, they, they blocked the uh, Republicans, they blocked everybody from yeah. watching the audit. Now, AZ Audit has all these views uh, exposed to the world for all of this stuff, right? Now, I have one more last thing that I wanted to cover, and then um, before we uh, run out of time. We were, you know, I've been spending some time in bed uh, recovering uh, from my surgery, and um I was watching a couple of different things. I was watching this thing on Hemingway, who I'm not a big fan of, um, but it was a documentary. And I was watching also this old movie called The Paper. Yes. And how New York has changed so much since 1994. That's a great movie. But I said, you know, one of the things that's happening is it, with, the, with the globalists is multiculturalism. Multiculturalism supports multinationalism. And this supports multinational corporations. Now, we've talked about this a lot. Multiculturalism supports multinationalism, which supports multinational corporations, which is why these big corporations support Black Lives Matter and all the leftists. Now, I said, like, if you take into consideration France, France and Germany and Italy and Dutch and Africa and Asia, or the states like in the South and North and East and West, they all lose their identity like gender like race, like ethnicity, like religion, like history. You know, even gender. We're trying to androgenize yeah. America. Yeah, we are. We're trying to lose our identity as to what gender is, let yeah. alone what France is and how they're different than Germany. Multilateral corporations are popping up everywhere. It used to be that you could go to Europe and you would never see a McDonald's. Now you see them everywhere, right? So it's one of these things where we're losing our identity. We're losing it fast. And we're losing our identity so much that we're not even allowed to say he, she, they, whatever. We're not. It's this pronoun bull, bull crap. Right? Ru- we've so, ruined pronouns. So they all lose their identity like gender, race, and by controlling them, their volume, into silence and censorship. And that's where the big tech comes in. So when you think about all that, it's all by design to try to, to, try to control everything about your life. Again, um, I said I want to give the ad- address out to make a donation for Al Locke over at 1180 WFYL, who passed away on April 22nd. Uh, the address is uh, Washington Memorial Chapel, 2000 Valley Forge Park Road, King of Prussia, PA, 19406. The services will be on Thursday, starting at 12 noon. And with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Corvetta. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody, and thank you all for listening. <laughs>